0: This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Straight to the download. Yeah, he's back. Straight up from Wisconsin,
1: Wisconsin, 2003. We got the serious okay We got the
2: serious chance. Straight to the download.
0: The Dale Junior download.
2: Kansas. What about Dale? Where's Dale? I don't know. Some
3: things never change. It's still all about you. But like when you race, it's different. He could just show up whenever he wanted to, and he says, I'm Dale Jr., but like, if he wants other people to come on his stuff, then he should be proud. Right? <laughs> exactly. All right, Dylan, good show, man. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, oh, he, going to join us. Oh, hey.
0: Have you been on here 15 minutes? That's hey, not I eight, true. Yes. I'm to be early.
1: Man. Didn't you get my text? Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: I was running a little bit. You wore, even wore an M hat for Matt. That's, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> that's what right. that means. For, for Matt. <laughs> All right, everybody, just promised, today's guest, the man of the hour, Matt Kenseth. Matt, how's it going? Good to see you, buddy. Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Um, you are uh, big news right now. I didn't hear nothing from you, no texts, no phone calls for months, and now I can't get away from you. You're all over Twitter. You're, you're all in the NASCAR news. Um, I kid you, man, but I think uh, you know. I, shared a, I sent you a message a couple of days ago, and I think the whole industry uh, feels the same way about how excited we are for you to be back in a car. And I know uh, it seems like this is something that you, you're pretty excited about yourself. So tell me about that, man. You, you're, you, you, you came back and helped Roush. Uh, with the six car a little bit, and um, you haven't really been, you know, from what I've been able to tell, you haven't really been out there communicating a ton about your personal feelings about retirement and and where you were in, in your head. But here you are presented with this amazing opportunity to uh, to step in into a to a good car and and help this company help this team, which I know you appreciate doing. Um, how hard was that decision to to come back? Was it a hard one? Was it an easy one? What was that conversation like at home?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, to start with the beginning, um, been all over the news because nobody's raced for like three months. There is no other news. That's like the perfect time if you're going to come back, right? Like you, <laughs> Slow news or no, no news week. But um, but yeah, so I mean, a step back to a little bit of the beginning of, uh, you asked me, I think, about five or six questions in, in one there. <laughs> I know. Uh, I'll try to remember them all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say for me, I actually never used the R word like everybody's uh, seen. I don't really read much of what people say, but I was, you know, people would be like, Oh, that's coming out of retirement for the second time. I was like, well, I never went into retirement. I wasn't currently racing, but I never really retired. Um, I guess after in 17, you know, once I kind of decided or once, once I knew I wasn't coming back to JJR, you know, I kind of waited a few months and there was just really never an opportunity that really felt like the right one for me, like the right fit or somewhere where I could be real successful um and where I really fit in. So at that time I just decided to kind of step away. Uh and like I say, I came back with Rous for a little while, which was which was a, a, a good experience for me. Um I felt good to come back and kind of try to help Jack out a little bit and get some things rolling. I knew it was more of a, you know, I hate to say a rebuild, but obviously they weren't running running particularly well and I knew that it was going to be different than what I was used to doing, you know, my whole career. So um, you know, that being said, that was a it was a good experience to go back and do that, but it probably wasn't something I wanted to do necessarily full time. And um, you know, had a great season or a great year last year, taking a year off, spending some time with the family, and then uh, this just kind of came up out of nowhere. And honestly, it's like uh, it's like one of those things. You, know, you think about it for a little bit, talk to Katie a lot about it, and um, you know, just seemed like the right deal at the right time for me. It's a competitive car. Um, you know, I think they got a great team over there. Uh, it's an interesting situation already being in the middle of May before you start racing. So, um, it just, it just felt like, uh, felt like the right thing at the right time.
2: Where were you when you got the call and what were you doing? And, and when did you get Katie involved? <laughs> uh, you know,
3: in December I'll be married for 20 years. So I got Katie involved immediately. Uh, <laughs> good. You really good. do make, uh, you know, all, all our decisions really, really together. So, um, you, you know, I was, I was at home and uh, Mr. Cox so was doing stuff with kids. So I, I've known Max Jones for a long time and he, he kind of called me about it. And, um, you know, honestly, I thought about it a little bit, but I didn't think a lot of it and, you know, called him back a few days later, kind of to see how serious they were and kind of what it was going to look like in a lot of different ways. And then uh, from there, it really just didn't take that long. Like I said, it's, you know, usually when you make a driver change or a crew chief change or all that, it's, it's always almost always performance related. Right. So to have the opportunity to get in a car that's currently running well, um, I know you're already partway in the season and all that, but it's currently running well and really they just, they just needed a driver. I just thought it was a a good opportunity for me to uh, take another stab at it and, and uh, see if I can uh, perform well.
0: What's your um, objective? Yeah. So personally, what do you hope to accomplish?
3: You know, I hope to be competitive. Um, again, obviously, um, it's going to be a steep learning curve. You know, the first uh, sounds like six races, there's not gonna be any practice and never driving for this team, different spotter, crew chief, um, equipment, car, steering fit, like, you, you know, all the things that go into that to make you feel confident and to make you feel comfortable and to be able to help you relay information. So it's going to be, uh, that's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. I'm already a little anxious about that first lap at Darlington. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, really my goals aren't any different than what they used to be. So I'd say I adjusted my goals in, in 2018 just because, um, you know, I knew there was quite some things we had changed, things like that, but every other year I really race my goals haven't really been that different It's just to be the best I can be. Uh, you go out and you hope you can put everything together and, and figure out how to win.
0: What can you do, um, what can you do to prepare yourself for uh, how this car is going to drive with the uh, spoiler and the horsepower and all those things? Do you take a lot of stock in getting in the, get an opportunity to run the sim at all? Do you, do you, you know, pour over notes and conversate with, with engineers and crew chiefs and so forth? What are you trying to do, to, I guess, to cut that curve in half?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more tools today than there was, um, you know, 10 years ago, um, if you can't be in a car, I don't think anything replaces being in a car and working with your team and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But I think with uh, all the SMT data and all the, all the different stuff you can look at from every driver in the field, every lap they've ran the last two years. I mean, you can, you can dig through that stuff. It's, it's endless. So you can, see the driver inputs and different things they were doing and watching film. And uh, I think a lot of that, uh, talking to, talking to Kurt a lot, uh, my teammate Kurt and uh, you know, talking to my crew chief, reading through their notes from last year, just all that kind of stuff. I think to try to be as mentally prepared as you can um, changing up some of the physical training a little bit as well, just to try to be ready for, uh, for the race. And it looks like it's going to be the the first warm day we've had, you know, in a long time, which will be different. I think for everybody, because everybody's been out of the car for a while. So um, you know, change up the physical stuff, I think, the last few weeks a little bit, and then just try to be as mentally prepared as you can.
2: Like what? What, what are you doing? Physical stuff. I mean, what does that I, mean? Go from 90-mile bike ride to a million-mile bike ride? I mean, like, what What do you do? You're already, a, you know, bionic man. Yeah, right. You know,
3: um, you can never give away, uh, you know, traits. All stuff. your
2: secrets. <laughs> got it. Yeah. we Look, to look like you, we got to earn it, right? We can't. We can't just – Look at that! Oh, that man. is, I'm telling you what. Which way to the beach?
0: I mean, be honestly, I've rode I've rode bikes with Matt, and uh, biking um, is a very social activity. But not so much with Matt because he's no. always about 100 <laughs> yards ahead of me. Uh. I can't even can't even carry on a conversation with a guy because he can't hear me so far away.
3: <laughs> That's uh.
0: not true. That no, is. really, no, it is true. Every no, time totally I rode bikes with him, he's like, "Well, you know, I'm a lot slower." So. <laughs> the end he's got to get his workout in he can't sit there and, and along with he ain't me. waiting on anybody that's yeah, for sure yeah you put the you put the miles in i know that
2: what matt we'll get back to this 42 deal in a second but what exactly are you in you look like you're in a an interrogation room uh is this in the Kinsa family compound where you you know what, what the heck is this
3: you know this is uh this is my office and i, I will say it's funny you know we, we built this house six or seven years ago and um Everybody thinks they need an office. I'm like, what do I need an office for? So like the last two weeks is the most I've ever I've ever used this. So yeah. Yeah.
2: So you don't even use your office. I you do got you got a little patriotic thing going on behind you. That's nice. I, know, I like that. So our um when we built this
3: house, the person who it's forty interior decorating kind of just picked it out and put it on the wall and I liked it.
2: So you got your office, you got your your uh uptick physical uh activities going on, so you're getting back in shape. Uh I'm curious. It's actually been a would just What's that? It's actually
3: been a downtick, and we just changed it a little bit.
2: Oh, I got you. Downtick. Well, why would I assume that it was more right? You you already were uh, matting it already. Okay. Would you go so far as to say you missed racing?
3: Yes. So there's a, there's a lot of things I missed about it. Um, you know, there's uh, it's not the things that everybody would think. You know, really, I, I really missed the, the camaraderie. I really miss being part of a team. You know, part of a a, a unit, a group that is trying to go out and you know, beat the best drivers and beat the best uh, teams that build stock cars, um, you know, go to beat the best and try to be the, be the best you can be and, and be part of that, that link and that chain. So It takes everybody, you know, doing their job at a high level to be able to be successful at the sport or to be able to win. So I, I really miss being part of that group, uh, the interaction with your team, um, just the little things, going to the shop. and, um, and just, That's what I miss the most is just, just the people and being part of a team.
0: So if this deal works out really well and turns into something uh, more long term, um, what, if anything, will will you do differently maybe in this chapter? So this is kind of maybe chapter number two or, 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 you know, your second chance at going back and doing it differently. Yeah. You know, I, when I had, uh, when I had to get out of the car for half a season, it sort of gave me this sort of window into retirement. And then, I came back and ran that last year and I told myself, you know, I'm not going to get worked up over this. I'm not going to get stressed out over this. I'm not going to get competitive in this in this moment because it doesn't help me. And uh, I'm going to try to appreciate X, Y, and Z. Is there any of that going on for you when you go into this opportunity to where, you know, cause we, I think as drivers, man, we just, it's in our nature to get competitive and watch that scoreboard and, and want to be on top in every practice and all those things, but you can really make it miserable if you're not careful, uh, even in the best of times, some of the best most competitive successful drivers are miserable people majority of the time, you know? So do you think about that at all and going into this with a, probably a different approach? You know, yes and no,
3: but I would say mostly no. I mean, I feel like everybody, um, everybody has something different inside them that drives them. Everybody has different reactions to different things. Um, we're all different. Some of us are more different than others. And, and, um, I just know um kind of the feeling I need to have and I, I know what it takes to to for me to be competitive and be my best. And I wouldn't have taken this if I didn't feel like I could put a hundred percent effort in. So um and that was one thing Katie and I talked about. She's like, look, you know, you can't go do this if you're not gonna be all in, you know. And i you know, I don't want you to worry about being gone from the kids a little bit here doing this or doing an extra. She says, You gotta you gotta be all in to be your best. And I realized that. Um, I'm not getting any younger and you're probably not as, is, as, as, you know, gifted as, or talented or whatever you want to say it as you were maybe 10 years ago or whatever it may be. So I realize you gotta, you gotta work harder at it. So I, I think, um, for me, just to put in as much effort as I can possibly put in and try to be the best I can be. Um, you know, I don't want to say that, uh, you're going to enjoy it more. I, I, th- I think you're going to learn to appreciate it and you're going to enjoy it when you're running good. Um. You know, but man, for me, I always got to have that sense of urgency in my stomach. You know, I always have to have that feeling that, you know, you're not secure. You're only as good as your last lap and your last race and all that kind of stuff uh, to try to be better all the time. So I don't know how much different I'll approach it, you know, and uh, to touch one other thing, I mean, like last year, you, you know, I got a taste of the retirement thing and it was awesome like it was the best summer i had ever so then a lot a lot of ways you look at it you're like well why are you going to do this right so i think there's a lot of circumstances honestly if this would have came up in february i i, I think i almost for sure would to have done you know but we've had uh going on 10 weeks of being here with the family without really leaving and uh man we've had like there's a lot of terrible things going on in the world right now with the silver lining is like all the family time we've had it's just been great all the time we've been able to spend together, uh, last summer, all, you know, the whole, the whole summer when we were in school every day, we pretty much just got up and said, what do you want to do as a family today? And we just went and did it, you know, and, and had a great time. So with, with that being said, it being be in the middle of May and, and, uh, the season's going to be shorter on the calendar, uh, no matter what, even if you run as so many races, it's still shorter on the calendar. And, uh, kids aren't still aren't doing sports and like all that stuff. And I was like, man, I just, if there's ever a time I go do it, there's gonna be a little less time away from home. Um, getting in a great car that that hopefully if I can do my job we can be competitive in and you just don't get a lot of those opportunities and it just seemed like it was the right one at the right time.
0: Your little girls are old enough to to have a you know part of conversation on whether you get back in the car or not and what was what was their reaction when you when you told them about this and when you got real serious about it you know what what was their reaction to you uh, getting back on the road or, and will they will they be able to experience this with you?
3: Well, I mean, I, the last part of the question, I have no idea because we don't know what's going to happen, right? Like, we don't know if there's going to be fans at the racetrack or if you can bring your buddy to the racetrack or your family. So, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in this um, It's actually impossible to predict. We just don't know. Everybody has these these great plans all laid out, but we, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, or next week, or whatever. So, um, you know, I think they're excited, um, but, you know, they're young. They weren't really part of the decision-making process um, with us. Certainly, they were – uh, the priority and Katie and I making the decision. Uh, but when we kind of talked to him about, you know, what we're going to do and what was going on, I mean, obviously Mallory doesn't know anything about it. She actually likes playing with I call all matchbox cars, but little, you know, she likes playing with little race cars and diecasts all the time. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, cause she knew nothing about really racing. And, and Clara kind of remembers grace more and Kaylin, you know, more, but it's funny, you know, as kids get older, um, you know, when they were that age, they don't really, they just remember the things about it that you would never think anything about. Like they think it was cool to staying in a motorhome. home. Like they, they remember things like that, you know? So, um, you know, I think they're excited, but I don't know if they hundred percent understand what it means yet.
2: You know, that's usually the case is, uh, you know, it's our own families that are are the most hard to impress, you know, <laughs> it's like, Hey, I'm a, you know, I'm going, I'm going to be wheeling that race car or uh, they're like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, bring me back a prize or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like it, they're hard to impress. It sounds like that. What, what, what do you got to do to impress your own family, your kids, what, 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 for them to consider this a success?
3: Well, they're impressed when I take them camping. That's their favorite
2: thing to do. There camping, you go. By the way, entails uh, setting up a tent in the front yard.
1: <laughs> have you been
3: doing
2: that? Have y'all been, is that how y'all been spending some quarantine time? Oh yeah, it's great. Um,
3: uh, but yeah, that, 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 <laughs> Clara, Clara, who is six told me the other day, she's, um, she's like, Daniel, I was kind of thinking about that racing and, and really all you're doing is driving a car and you're just going to go in circles all the time instead of going somewhere. Right. I'm like, I mean, I guess she's yeah, like, kind <laughs> of just take that Tahoe and just drive it up and down the driveway
0: fast. You'll be all ready to go. So, <laughs>
3: I didn't do that yet, but she
0: was thinking. <laughs> so um, you're going to be teammates again with Kurt Bush. You guys were teammates years ago. Probably spent some time talking to Kurt. What's, what's it like? Uh, I guess, you know, you know Kurt pretty well, and he's a pretty good teammate. He's a lot different, though, a lot different. This is a, this is a new version of Kurt than what we had years ago. Um, so I guess uh, you've you got to be pretty excited about working with him again.
3: Yeah, I am. You know, Kurt was always a, a great teammate. Um, you know, I never had one issue with Kurt, you know, we, we always got along well. He's, uh, um uh, he's always a hard worker and doesn't mind putting in the time and he's, he's great at feedback. He's very unselfish. He's like all the things you'd want, you know, a teammate to be. So, uh, it's been a long time since we've worked together, but our communication was always good and, and we always got along well. So, um, hoping we we can pick right up there. And, uh, I know he'll be a big help for me these first, uh, you know, until we get back to track and start practicing, probably more. Uh, you know, you'll be a big help to me. And then hopefully I can catch on, you know, fairly soon and help them out.
0: You talked about going to Darlington, no practice, no qualifying. You know, I mean, you're literally going to run your first lap under green flag? Uh, that's unprecedented, something we've never done before. You haven't, you know, you never drove for this team. It's been a long time since you've been in a Chevy and felt that Chevrolet power. So I know that's going to catch you by surprise. But, how do you? I mean, what what are the things that you can prepare, for, help yourself prepare that, for that? I mean, how do how do you how do you anticipate that happening and going? You remember in 1998, 1999, we used to go practice uh, the Xfinity car with Mark Martin, right? Yeah. And Mark would hit the track like he'd already ran five hundred laps. I mean, he could just he could arc into turn one at Charlotte on Friday morning before anybody's ever been on the racetrack with so much confidence and. Run such a lap that was just so impressive. He just could hang it out there. He would arc it bigger into turn one than he would ever do in the race just because he could and knew the car was going to do what it needed to do. And so there'll be some guys that go into these races with that mentality. And then there'll be guys on the other side of that to be really careful and work their way up to it. Do you think about that at all? I mean, this is really unprecedented to be going into a race and just say, hey, we're lining up. You're going to take the green. At Darlington, then, you know, which is probably one of the most challenging and technical tracks that we race on.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, how would you like to be all those suckers lined up around me?
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's That's what I'm worried about.
2: If you're yeah. nervous, what do you think they're like?
3: You <laughs> uh, think I'm nervous? Um,
2: you know, I think uh,
3: you know. Seriously, I mean, I think you just have to. It, it's hard for me because I think most of us that race are like this, but like i can't stand being passed right like the worst thing ever is like you got cars going by and you're going backwards and you know doing all that so i think you need to you know have the right mindset going in there and adjust your expectations at least for the first run until you get to at least the first caution to to um you know to to not wreck and not get too worked up if you uh lose a hunk of spots It's still 400 miles and and uh, even though it's hard to pass these days and just kind of look at the big picture you're not going to learn anything you're not going to get any better if you're sitting in the garage so you need to you need to get through those first groups of corners try to get a feel for the card and then hopefully start to um, start start working your way up
2: Hey, it's a question maybe that both you guys can answer. How long does it take to get acclimated to a new team with you know not just a crew chief but just you know all the guys that you're kind of depending on around you How long does that take?
3: well I mean that's a um, that's a question that doesn't really apply to today because you know, right now, there uh, the the shop's kind of a skeleton crew. Everybody's got to work in shifts, you know, because they can't they can't all work together. Uh, everybody's pretty much in, in full protective gear. Um, you know, people that can work from home are working from home. So, like, I haven't even met my engineers face to face. We've done a call like this, you know. But um, so there, there's no testing, there's no practice. So there's so many things that is going to make this, you know. Um, happen way quicker or be more challenging um, than if you're making a normal team swap. You know, I'm sure Dale Jr. can, you know, comment on this too, but usually when you you change the team, you have a whole off season. So you'll go to the shop, you'll take guys to lunch, you'll uh, you'll hang out, you'll visit them in the gym, you go watch pit stop practice. You get used to everybody in the shop. You just, you spend a lot of time kind of getting to know everybody, getting to understand the system, how they go about things, a lot of face-to-face time and, and you can't really do hardly any of that right now. So, um, so that' be that' be a challenge i' don't, we'll see how long it takes, but I know it's going to be uh, more challenging than uh than typically it typically would be.
0: What opportunities you had to talk to chip and and how much did you really know chip before all this and are you getting to know him a lot now?
3: uh you know, I didn't really know him that well i mean obviously we've we've you know i've both seen him in the garage for the last twenty years or maybe not quite that yeah I guess about twenty years and raced against him and done all that but um You know, he strikes me as one of those people that a little bit like Robbie Reiser, like when you're on his team, you know, you're going to get along great and he's all about it. And when you're not on his team, he's your enemy. Right. So like, that's the feeling I get. I'm not saying that's right. (laughs) Um, So I've never really had a long conversation with him, honestly, until, you know, two weeks ago. It was the first time we really ever really ever talked to him, you know, very much. So I know a lot about him, but don't really know him, you know, personally, like I would maybe some others
0: yeah he's a racer, it seems like to me and uh haven't he you know he drove and and was a competitor at one point in his career and I kind of appreciate when uh the owner or the crew chief or or engineer has some driving background they kind of understand what you're dealing with and the struggles that you're going through and when you're talking about the car and all those things they can they can kind of plug in and he likes winners and he picked a winner you know when he when he chose you to to come into this situation, it's a challenging situation, but he i don't think he could have picked a better person to come in there that's that's a, you're the total package you're a champion you're a winner and you know if i was in that situation it would have been a no-brainer uh to do the same thing um so looking forward to good things on on the on the racing front i feel like that do do you do you feel like you have sort of unfinished business are you have you packaged that and put that away over the last couple of years or is that still sort of on your shoulder uh, to go out there and prove, prove anything to anybody or to yourself?
3: Yeah. I, I mean, maybe to myself a little bit, you, you know, I always feel like, uh, you know, you, you want to be your best and, you know, you still think you can be competitive and you still think you can win, but, but Kenya, you know, I guess you'll, you'll, you'll find out, but um, I, I don't know. I will have to say that up to this point, I don't know that I was ever totally at peace, you know, with, with the whole situation and like the, 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 the end at the time for when I was, when I was driving, you know, kind of uh, how things ended at JGR was never really hundred percent piece of that, to be honest. And, and uh, you know, even the last deal, just wasn't it just the way it just didn't quite uh, turn out how I was hoping it would necessarily. So I'm looking forward to, I uh, have another chance. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I mean, I, I know it's hard to tell if I'm excited or not excited at times. People have told me hard, hard guy to read. I've been told. I can't believe that, but, um it's uh, pretty excited it's as excited as i've been to go racing in as long as i can remember to be honest with you so i'm uh, looking forward to getting back to the track like i said it's a unique opportunity at a very unique time and uh, uh there's a lot of challenges i mean i like i like challenges but it's definitely gonna be challenging these first bunch of bunch of weeks to to get started so um looking forward to getting going and hopefully this first race goes okay and we can build from there
0: so, uh, before we let you go, there's a, I wanted to ask you about running super late models. You've, you've ran a few races over the last couple of years, had a lot of fun, I'm sure, with that, and good success with it as well. What dictates what, dictates what you are going to do, what races you're going to run uh, in, in that kind of situation? That's always been something I've been curious about. It's, it seems easy for guys that are cup drivers, cup regulars, to do what they want to do, but when you aren't a cup regular, you have really a whole, you know, a lot of opportunities out there to do anything and everything you want. Drive pretty much any car uh, that you'd like to drive. Um, so what, what, how do you go about making those choices and deciding what you will and won't do? And where's that going in the future? I know that now you're back in the 42 car. You're focusing on that 100%. Um, yeah,
3: yeah, I don't foresee driving anything this year except for, except for the 42 car. Right. Um, you know, it's different than what it once was. I mean, what you kind of said is, is true, you know, 15 years ago, probably like you get different opportunities. you, you know, if you want to go drive somebody's Xfinity car, you know, you call them, especially he's your buddy and you want to be like, Hey man, let's go run that road course or let's go do this. And they're like, yeah, let's get a sponsor. Let's go do it. Now it's like, how much money you got to bring me? You know? So it's definitely a different sport than what it, was, what it once was. Um, in a lot of in a lot of different ways Um, But the late model stuff is different. My friend uh, Joe Wood and Jason Schuler run that Pathfinder chassis in Wisconsin and uh, They'll put a house car together every once in a while whenever we want to run some races and we'll go We'll run slinger in Madison and some local short track stuff So we did a couple races last year. We're gonna do some more and it just kind of didn't end up working out um, with my schedule and some other things that, that I wanted to do last year so um, but but it's fun to go back. It's it's changed a lot too, you know.
0: how's it different?
3: I think just that mainly the the cars and stuff have just changed a lot, you know, compared to how they used to feel and drive and what you used to work on. I mean, they're just like everything else, you know. They're on bump stops and they're just a yeah. lot more more complicated and just have a you know, it's just different, you know, than, than it was. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to go back and race with some of the younger guys and kind of see the new guys that are kind of working their way through and kind of seeing what they're made of. It's always fun.
0: You went back and you won, you know, did that surprise you or cause that's competitive, you know, super late models, late models, that's a very, very competitive, uh, type of racing to be involved in. And you went back and were competitive and won races on, on a re- very limited schedule. Um, so was that, was that kind of comforting and, uh, but surprising at the same time?
3: Yeah. Slinger has been fun. You know, we've ran pretty well at Slinger the last bunch of times i went up there. Um, but Uh, We got very fortunate with the last one. You know, um, Ty Majeski runs a late model up there at Toby's, and he's, like, so much faster than everybody, especially in the long run. And uh, uh, he got away by a long ways. I just kind of let him go, because I couldn't keep up in the long run. We're going to finish second or third. And then got a couple late cautions, and I could run pretty fast for about five laps. And uh, I got a caution with, like, four to go, and I was able to stay alongside him where he couldn't get in front of me. And he kind of bumped the wall down the back stretch coming to the checker, and it gave me just enough room to – kind of get in there and slide up the track a little for the win. So it was a really exciting win. It's always fun to to win no matter what you're doing. That's why we all do it. Um, You know, but he definitely had a better car. You know, he was definitely, definitely good.
2: No matter who has the better car, if you literally go in there and win, and you got a sense of humor, and I know you – you ought to get out of the car and just be like, Big Daddy Matty still got it, boys. You know, I mean, come <laughs> on, bro. Lean into it a little bit.
3: No, nah, I usually just look around and make sure nothing's going to come flying out of the grandstand.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you do something?
3: All cans are going to be empty, so you feel fairly safe. Why still...
0: Why would anybody do that to you, Matt? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> Well, why would – okay, so your nickname – from back in the day but it was Matt the Brat, was it not?
3: Yeah, but you know, if you know Todd Bailey, the announcer up there, uh, yeah. he's a good friend of mine, I mean, honestly, I'm sure he just came up with
2: accent rhymes. <laughs> oh, come on. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I don't mind.
3: He's not like a super deep thinker, right? He was probably just like one man just came out. He's like, hey, wait, that sounds good together.
2: <laughs> he's like, I got, I can go, Matt the Rat. He ain't gonna like that. Matt the brat. Yeah, so you just go oh, he with – He didn't
3: care, right? What did they like?
2: <laughs> so there's no bratty stories? I mean, come on. I, I, there has to be something.
3: You know, I don't know. He always just said that he came up with that because at the time, I was much younger than the people I was racing against. Yeah. Um, so – I don't know, that's what he always told.
0: I, I heard that, you know, before you got in the bush car, that you, um, you were driving the bush car for uh, – you just mentioned it. Risers. Yeah, for Robbie. So before you raced his car, y'all raced against each other. Yeah. And y'all weren't quite friendly, right? Weren't y'all kind of competitive? Yeah,
3: not at all friendly.
0: Right. So how did <laughs>
3: – okay, so – He was a big bully, and I was like the little kid just starting, and he was like the big bully.
0: How? Tell me. Tell me how y'all go from completely not getting along to him calling you up and saying, hey, man – I need you to come help me at, you know, drive my car in my Xfinity program.
3: I don't know. That's a great question. So um, I was in North Carolina racing my late model one time, and we had two races in a row, so we were staying down here for a few days. And, uh, you know, I knew Robbie, and it was about a couple of years since we were racing against each other, and we stopped over at his uh, his Bush Series shop um, just to kind of say hi or whatever. And he was super nice, like walked us around, showed us everything. And, um, and that was really about it. And then, uh, didn't really keep contact with him. And then it was about a month later. Um, I was racing Rougemont down here in late mile again. It was after the race and he called me and, uh, asked what I was doing. I told him I was driving back to Wisconsin and uh, he asked if I come by the, the bush shop. So we did a U-turn and drove down to Denver, North Carolina and kind of met with him and his dad and said that they wanted me to drive the next week in Nashville and, uh, that they had to change drivers to the wrecking all the time and just wanted to, wanted to try something different. So that's kind of, that's kind of how it happened. So uh, obviously, I took it, and drove to Wisconsin, and drove to Nashville, and ran my first race with them. And uh, um, you know, working together as, as teammates, we hit it off right away. And uh, just took like one practice, and I knew it was gonna was gonna work. So I think with his driving background and um, his work ethic, and his dad from you know running a business and all that, it was just a it was a really neat fit, really neat family family team at the time.
0: How were y'all as competitive as you were? Uh, in such a quick short period of time. Um you had a Chevrolet. You went, um, I remember when you went to Nashville and ran that first race. You come uh into the next season and win at Rockingham earlier early in the year when you move Stewart out of the way uh for a pretty exciting win. No sponsor. Well you you just got the Lycos deal. But um anyhow, my question is is I saw Robbie uh he came to a, to test his car at Myrtle Beach and I had my late model and I was testing it. And I'd watch the Xfinity races and I could see how Robbie's team ran. Uh, they weren't performing super well. And it was a small team. You get with the program, and they got better at the same time. What were the pieces of the puzzle? Was there some influence from Roush even then uh, that was helping that team? Or was it just you and Robbie and and y'all, y'all sort of put, you know, you know, moving pieces around with what you had to improve? What made that car better? Outside, obviously, you and your talent. Um, but what, how did the team get so much better in such a short period of time?
3: You know, um, Robbie and I just hit it off right away, I think, was, was the big thing early on. Um, you know, us both being from Wisconsin we're both real hands-on and built all our own stuff, and I was still building my own shocks. And, like, we just, um, you know, we just hit it off pretty good right away. I can't remember the exact date when I started kind of working with Roush a little bit and then it was still, you know, even all the way through the end of 99, there was a little bit of of Roush influence there kind of, but it was more just, you know, I could ask Mark Martin what shocks he was running and he would try to me in the right direction, like that type of thing. It wasn't like a a shared technology or building our cars. I mean, we were still running Chevys at the time and all that. Um, So there was a little help there, probably 99, more than, more than any other, any other year when I ran full time with them. But I think just, um, you know how it is; just a combination. You know, I think that uh, Robbie and I were able to to speak the same language and work really well together, and it was a productive relationship. And um, you know, especially back then, I think if the driver crew chief relationship isn't good, you're, you're probably not going to run good, no matter what happens, right? But if it is good, the the you know, there's a lot more potential. You know, you could you just have the potential to do that much better if your crew chief believes what you say and what you say, he's buying into it, and the driver's buying into what the crew chief's telling you. Um, and you have that relationship; it's much easier to
2: be successful. Dale, you didn't run against Matt at all, did you? In late model, I, I, I'm just curious because you seem to know a lot about his past. I didn't know if that was from your friendship or if you guys actually had met before you guys started going into the Bush series. Now, Infinity series. Oh, Google, Mike. What's <laughs> that?
0: <laughs> it's <called> Google. Oh, <laughs> Google. Google. Yeah. Google. I uh, I think the um, you know me and Matt didn't race against each other in late models. He ran a super uh, late model. And, uh, I ran a, a late mall stock, but it just always fascinated me because I, so I was at that test at, I think it was like a Friday before the Xfinity race at Myrtle beach in around 96 or so. And I had my car and I'm running it and we broke something. And I, uh, the only person I didn't have the part that I needed, it was a weird stud for it was something that I wouldn't carry on my truck or my little, little gooseneck. But so I was like, Oh man, I guess I got to go over there and ask Robbie if he's got it. And they, they were there testing his car, just him driving it. And, uh, I didn't know him and I didn't know if they chew me away or what, but I walked over there and I was like, Hey, I got this thing and I broke it. And he's like, I might, I got one and went in there and got it headed to me. And I was like, dang, I was like, man, I appreciate that. We get to keep testing. We don't have to go home. And then, you know, and I, and so I, I knew Robbie and how he was running, but then I paid even more attention after that. And then when Matt got in the car, you know, they had Tim Bender or somebody driving. I can't remember who it was that was having trouble. Yeah. And so Matt got in it and it shot, you know, it improved dramatically. And, uh, I always just was curious as to how Matt felt that team improved. I knew that Roush wasn't a big involvement in it, uh, that early, but, uh, you know, it was hard to be competitive in the series with a team like that, like a a, a small mom-and-pops team. Um, you know, there were so many teams like that that had this sort of track record for running mid-pack or worse, and, and they really elevated their game. always wondered how Matt felt about that and how how he felt they accomplished that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to comment on
3: before I got there because I never really knew yeah. Tim. I wasn't really at the races, and they were only partway into the season – Um, so when I started with them in 97, I mean, they had, I mean, you know how it was then you bought everything, right? You buy a car from Hopkins and you take it and have a best guy you knew put a body on it. Um, you bought motors from somewhere. We had motors from K tech that came out of Michigan. So you kind of had all those pieces that were all kind of basic, what everybody ran and put it together. And then I felt like from there, it was just more communication and like old school setup stuff, right? Like springs and shocks and sway bars and just like all the normal basic stuff. So I felt like they spent the money, you know, and got decent cars and got, you know, pretty bodies on, got decent bodies put on their cars, which was a, the, the two big chunks and, and the engine. So I felt like they had, you know, decent stuff. We just had to figure out how to try to get it together.
2: So Matt, uh, because, uh, because we know you, I, I'm curious, did you watch any of the pro invitational series, uh, iRacing <laughs> stuff over the past month? I can't wait to hear this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you understand what I'm, I I want to hear your honest opinion. Did you watch it? And what was your opinion?
3: Well, the first question is no, it's hard to have an opinion on.
2: So, okay. Well, that may explain
3: your so thing. If you want me to be honest, uh, I, I don't even really have time to play video games that much. And I like playing video games. Like I like playing Mad Men stuff, but like, I don't have any interest in watching somebody else play video games. Like, if people <laughs> want to play me in a game of Madden or we're both, particip- actively participating in it, I think it'd be fun. But for me to watch you and Dale Jr. play Madden and sit here and be like, "Oh, that's cool, good Dale Jr. just threw that slant route. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I, you know, I just didn't really get into that. I think it was great. I heard there was a ton of viewers, and um, I heard some of it was was you know kind of interesting, but it's just um, it's crazy. It just tells you where we are as society right now, how much everybody's dying for live sports. So. I think everybody's super excited for Sunday. I know I am, and um, it'll be cool to we'll get some real cars on the track.
2: See, I, I just would—I I knew that that was the way Matt would feel about the, uh, you know, just in the platform in general. But when you don't really have any other options, yeah, it's a great. Idea. And nobody's trying to say that it's the same. I just wondered if that might change you a little bit. Let's like be more receptive to it because there's nothing else going on. And if maybe you caught a couple of races, thought it was entertaining, how maybe, I don't know, John Hunter Nemechek is taking out people or whatever. I don't know. You know, it's, it was a shot in the dark here. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I,
3: you know. No. I'm sure well, I'm sure it was neat to watch, but I mean, I got four little girls at home and like we're doing <laughs> stuff. I mean, I don't know out, you know, camping with them or going doing something than watching some people play video games. Because like when you crash and they say you can get a reset and go to pit road and start over, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, that's cool if you're the guy. I feel the same way about the resets. I don't know. I know, you know. I know Junior's big into that. you love doing it. I, I think I probably like doing it, um, but just being a driver and like watching other people race it or play it, I, I just didn't really.
2: Well, I mean, actually, that was what I was wondering, is that if you did watch it, did it, did it make you kind of want to participate? But it sounds like you never even got your, you let yourself get that far. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch it. So you know, because if you did, Katie, being the, if you're going to do this, you need to be all in, man. You'd be coming in with a spaceship type of rig. You know what I'm saying, Matt? would all of a sudden, have gone from I'm not, I'm not for this. To now, all of a sudden, he's got something that he's like, look, show me the biggest one, Denny Hamlin. Okay, go bigger. No, see, you see, I, I never, no, not even a chance, I right? I, you
0: know, I mean,
2: I mean, Matt's
0: very uh, frugal. I am. Frugal. Are you really? Yes, extremely. But so is Junior on certain things. <laughs> no, no, I agree with that. No,
3: he's actually cheap on certain things. I'm just wait.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say cheap, but I used the nice word frugal, and here you went right to cheap.
2: I I like to call him the brokest rich guy I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like you know, if if you're going to a drive-through, he don't carry any cash or anything on him, so you better be ready to pay for both of them. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh man, I guess I forgot my wallet, guys.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> all right, well, so you know, Dale is frugal, you and, and so you are too. Good, well, no, I always lunch and dinner though. <laughs> hey,
0: always, Matt always made me feel comfortable about my frugalness because <laughs> <laughs> he had you beat. No, because it's just you know, I, I felt mad about being frugal or guilty about it. I'd be like, well, Matt, look at Matt, he's frugal. Frugalness, me and, and I say that well, that me and Matt, like, literally were just about every week, side by side in the bus lot. We came up in Xfinity series together. We raced in a cup series out of the gate together. We, we pretty much our careers were always kind of side by side figure, you know, figuratively and literally. And so we, I, we always kind of bounced things off each other. So if he was very frugal about something, then I uh, made me more comfortable with being frugal as well.
2: Okay. So Matt, you'll appreciate this being yeah, that you exactly. got a litter of kids. So, Dale Jr. tells me the other day, we were on the phone, and he was talk- we were talking about swing sets, and he's like, Hey, uh, of that, did you know he's having another kid? Yeah, I've yeah, yeah, heard. You know,
3: I found out because they must have put on Instagram and somebody told me he follows me.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right, right. No, that was the news until you came in and took all the publicity.
0: I didn't know that when I was going to have a child, I was supposed to text you, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Right,
2: don't you all all roads lead through Matt. I
0: got if that's the case, I gotta get on the phone and start sending out some text messages. Right. right. A lot of people I haven't texted about this.
2: Hey Matt, I think we're thinking about Chipotle for dinner. Are you good with that? <laughs> <laughs> <Does> <laughs>
0: Run
2: that it works? all through Matt. But Matt, so hold on. So Dale says to me, I mean, just speaking of this uh, you know, frugalness, he's like, uh, uh I think Amy wants us to get a swing set for Isla or a play set, but they're so expensive. And I'm like <laughs> <laughs> Hell, get out a a set. This this is a no brainer. They're not all that much. I mean, he's like, no man, they're so pricey. And I'm like, get her a swing
0: set. <laughs> so uh, you know how just that, you know how I justified it, Matt. This is how you would justify it too. Since I'm having another kid, I basically split the price in two. So that's it's <laughs> well, more affordable. That's how I justified it in my mind. I'm like, well, you know, really, I'm paying for. Half of this, yeah, two I know. Days. I got an
3: awesome
2: one. Mine was almost free so many kids over here. <laughs>
0: That's right.
2: That's right. You you paid for your stuff ten times over, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on today. I know you got a lot of things to do this week to get ready for the race. We wish you well, buddy, and we're so glad to see you back out there. It's gonna be fun watching you progress and watching you uh, watching you figure it out. That's It's hope. gonna be. It's going to be a great time. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. All right, buddy. Take care. We'll see you at the track. See ya. All right, so uh, interesting information on social media these days. There's a, it's kind of floating around in a lot of different channels, but there's some information coming in from Chicago. Uh, or about Chicago, uh, the speedway out there, Okay. that, well, um, there's potential um, that they're going to develop this land. This track's going to go away. Um, Matthew Dillner, you sent me some information about that. Why don't you back us up here about what you know and where this information's coming from?
1: Yeah, well, uh, the other week uh, there was uh, the announcement that Chicagoland would not have its race on the NASCAR Cup Series schedule this year. That was also followed up with uh, a bunch of layoffs, mm. uh, unfortunately uh, for those people. Um, and now there was a leak uh, that showed uh, potential redevelopment plans to make it into a mul- possibly a multi-purpose industrial complex, um, and that would, in turn, kind of make Chicago Land Speedway a lost speedway. Um, of course, none of us want to see that, but uh, that's the reality that we're living in these days, and. Uh, Jerry Jordan put out a uh, article about it yesterday or the day before um, and, and some, some definitely, definitely stirred up the uh, the pot on, on the web. On,
2: what on was the leak? Uh, it was the leak from a credible, like a, like a legitimate source. Yes.
1: It was from a government site uh, within Joliet. Mm. Uh, okay. And then uh, they, they decided to table the discussion until mm. July.
4: Yeah. It was supposed to be in a, during a meeting on in April, but it got delayed till July. And so like the plan for that kind of got leaked is what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah. Wow. So they're going to, so, yeah. So this is real potential. This track will never hold another date and we might lose Chicago entirely. We know that the schedule was going to be revamped and renewed uh, going into next season. And if we lose Chicago, that'll be uh, that'll be a sad one. I've won a race there. 2005. Uh, yeah. So, and I thought it was a really cool market for us. And not, you know, pretty fun racetrack. You know, it's it put on a really, really good race, really wide and and abrasive surface. Uh, they don't make a lot of those. I know that people are going to say that it's a cookie cutter track, and and we've got plenty of those out there for sure. But um, we don't have a lot of them that had that type of racing where you could run from the fence to the apron um, all day long. So.
4: I wonder what it means for the drag strip there. Cause there's the drag strip across the street too. Right.
1: And the short track as well. Yeah. You're right, Leah. So, uh, that's all in question right yeah. now.
0: And, and I think it, you know, it's to be expected during times like this, that things, a lot of things can be reconsidered and a lot of things can be, uh, you know, everybody starts to sort of look at where they're going and what they're doing and what they've been doing. And, uh, we all can sit at home and and think about whether we need to make any adjustments to that. And we felt, I felt, I say we, I felt there were to be casualties Mm -hmm. in this restructure of the schedule. Yes. You know, there would be casualties. And and, and if you're going to bring in new revenue, uh, new uh, racetracks or new locations of any kind, someone will have to lose. Um, But I never considered the fact that we would lose the track entirely. Like, you know, I thought some, that had two dates may go back to one, things like that. But I didn't think that we would just quit going all together at some of these racetracks, but it's, uh, you know, we've heard that as, as, as well about Fontana there there's been some conversations about that land and its future and what, what that means for the racetrack there. But, uh, this is, it sounds pretty serious for Chicago.
2: Well, that would be interesting about Fontana being that we lost, um, you know, the, the tracks that we lost to go to Fontana, way back when. Um, wasn't Rockingham and and, and Rockingham Wilkes- sort of the the casualties of that? Yeah. So in Darlington. I, that that's interesting. I, I gotta tell you, in, in Dale, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, there were gonna be repercussions on this revamp schedule, one way or another. And it sounds to me from what I'm hearing, I'm hearing it for the first time as far as this Chicagoland redevelopment, but that, that has nothing to do with NASCAR. That has everything to do with the government and the locals there. Um, and and they're they're making their plans for the future, which they're well within their right to do. Real quick update here, because uh, it just
1: posted uh, right as we were starting the show that Michael Schwartz, Joliet's Director of City Planning Commission, uh, said that the track will remain, that um, the rezoning had to deal with the parking lots and whatnot. Uh, it's kind of odd, because the rezoning plans obviously went over all the facilities. So we don't know. We'll see.
0: Well, I'm glad they put a statement out, because silence on – you know, with all that information sort of leaking and in in silence on that uh, almost was affirmation yeah. of, of its truth. But um, so for them to come out, you know, if they're doing any kind of rezoning or, re, uh, uh, you know, if they're, if, if they're taking away parking lots, maybe they don't need as much space as they have uh, or they don't feel like they need as much space as they have available to them in terms of parking. Um, so they're going to make some better use of that. It is like fifteen thousand acres or yeah, some crazy, crazy number, number. right? Yeah. So let's hope that Chicago sticks around. Um, but it, you know, whichever sport the direction is going in, I'm 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 staying on the uh, I'm staying on the bus. I'm ready. To, I'm I'm rocking and rolling.
2: I want to tell you a little bit different. Uh, when I'm watching that Wilkesboro race over the weekend, that E race. Yeah, You know, I, I it didn't make me go into the camp of we need to revent, uh, rebuild Wilkesboro, but it did make me wonder why we can't have tracks like like that, those short tracks like that. It looked so awesome. And, and um, you know, Richmond is sort of this I, – I, Dale, you're going to hate it when I say this, but just from a visual standpoint from somebody that wouldn't know how anything drives, like Richmond to me is sort of the closest thing we got to what I saw with Wilkesboro um and and uh like I don't compare Bristol to it because it's just a completely different looking track, but I don't know, man, it just made me wish we had more of those and uh and so take that for what it's worth. It looked cool. Or more,
0: more short tracks, Mike
2: yeah, I wish that's an original idea i don't think anybody's ever said that. <laughs> uh, so let me introduce that into the conversation <laughs> yeah
0: well i you know with with the pandemic and um how that's affected the economy, it's certainly had, you know, had the same effect on NASCAR. I do not see any chance whatsoever of any future, you know, project involving North Wilkesboro, Rockingham, right. or any other old track. Right. That's off the table until big revenue can start coming in for some of these businesses, right. uh, NASCAR and so forth. So with that said, um, I feel like that this is a, an e- whether we're, whether it's intentional or, or just a forced uh, direction because of the economic the economics of it all. We've, when we were racing at Wilkesboro, Rockingham and we had a lot smaller crowds, like it'd sell the place out and it'd be 60, 80,000, whatever. Same thing at Bristol for years in the eighties and nineties. We just kept adding seats, adding seats, adding seats. Right. And we just were getting bigger and bigger. Right. And then the balloon popped and now we were coming back off of that high and we're, understanding or we're finding where we fit back, you know where we fit, right? And we don't fit in some of the bigger venues that are holding 180,000 people. We 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 will again one day. We may. Things change. Um, yeah. Things change. Yeah. The way people consume, you know, and this is a bigger conversation. I don't want to really get down this rabbit hole, but the way people are consuming the sports changed as well. Yes. But anyhow, I don't have a problem with us going back to smaller venues. I don't, I don't see it as a, a negative or a bad sign for us to go try to race in front of 60,000 or 50,000 people at a short track. I just, you know, I don't, I still think we'd have an amazing product to put on network television. I still think that people would consume it, uh, just as eagerly. And, um, if that's where we're headed uh, long-term and this is a part of that, you know, a track such as Chicago going away, um, you know, I wish it wouldn't. I wish I, w- I would love to see Chicago succeed and, and stay on the schedule. But if it if it's inevitable for us to be headed toward, toward this um, kind of going back to some version, previous version of ourselves where we might've been in the eighties or early nineties as a sport in terms of attendance and tracks and so forth. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I, I, and that's why I don't really ever buy into the, um, the idea that we're failing, that we're, that we're not healthy, that we're, we can't succeed. We can't win in any environment. People love to race owners, Love to own cars. Drivers love to drive them. NASCAR loves to organize races. That's all you need. Fans are going to show up and consume it, whether it's on a grand scale, whether it's for 40,000, 60,000, or 180,000 people. I've been in all of it, and it was all great. Um, so, for me, it can succeed anywhere. Go ahead, Mike. On that note, I, I just
2: want to tell you, as, as we get back racing, you know, this coming week, the thought occurred to me that I hope the drivers, especially the young ones, understand the situation and the opportunity that we have. Because, you know, we had the Daytona 500 this year, and, you know, everything lined up to really be a big day for the sport, and then it rained, right? Yeah. And it felt like a big downer. I think we have a situation again where if the drivers can take a, a, a different approach and not be a little selfish, not, not be the, the mentality of, I'm just glad to be back racing, but rather understand that the whole world is going to be watching, right? We have an unprecedented opportunity. Well, unprecedented, maybe similar to 79, right? 1979, you got the whole world watching. I hope they bring it. I'm telling, leave it all out on the table. Just go after it. And if something, you know, tits you off, own it. Don't sit there and play, uh, well, this will get in trouble. I really need to almost I hope that they take a mentality of a showman not to make it fake or phony. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying is don't just be so uh, narrow minded that I'm just glad to be back racing because I'm getting bored in the house. But this is a opportunity for the sport. And I was thinking about this this weekend that, you know, people that really have a grasp of the situation understand the opportunity you have in front of them. And this one is, this one could be it for our sport if they hit on all cylinders. Yes. You know, a lot of things have to happen and let them that happen naturally. And if they don't, they don't. But the, the worst thing that could happen is that we have a fantastic race. And then, you know, you have a driver that just gives a kind of a, you know, a bad take or, a, you know, or just, you know, get storms off. If you get pissed off, do the interview, share your emotions, call people out, race, your, race, race as hard as you can. Don't let people, I mean, give us a show because this is the time when we can really maximize on it. Yeah. Rant that's over. a great
0: point. That's a great point. Um, and I think that the key that another thing that's key that' tie on to the back end of that mic is as we go into the fall and everyone else starts firing up, all mm-hmm. these other sports, yeah. every sport that we know or you could think of is going to be happening. Um, we are uh, you know we're going to be fighting for attention and uh, so however we can come out of the gate, I think can set the momentum. We see that in our numbers with, as a network, yes and we we look at that as Nbc we watch how fox does at the start of the year because their their numbers and success directly plays into how how our season is going to go we say our season but how the how our coverage is going to go and the fans uh, even though they are changing networks at midseason their mood and their excitement about the year is the same who the players are what the storylines are how they've been fed that information and and how they've consumed it is all the same. And so how we come out of the gate is going to be really, really critical uh, to how we can sustain our success uh, beyond that through this, uh, through this fall. That is, you know, if everything goes according to plan, you know, the big big fear and what people are starting to talk about is uh, if anybody stubs their toe and, and what could derail this and send us all back home. So hopefully everybody does everything they need to do and yeah um, bring you know, it great successful yeah we have a great successful race on the track and uh, everybody gets home healthy
1: all right here we go we're gonna get ready to live stream we're ready and
0: streaming live on
1: youtube guys.
0: hey everybody it's dale jr welcome to the youtube portion of this uh this Podcast The Dale Jr. Download uh, brought to you by Xfinity. Um, Some great partners of our sport and partners of this podcast. Uh, They sponsor the Ask Junior portion. So um, this is obviously coming to you on our Dirty Mo Media YouTube page. Make sure you follow Dirty Mo Media on all social handles. Um, Leah's here to handle your questions. Mike Davis here as well. So let's get started, Leah.
4: All right. First question is from David Carden. Who is a driver that's not a household name, past or present that you wish you could have raced against?
0: Not a household not a household name. My gosh.
2: Did he wish he could race against? Uh, have mm-hmm. raced against?
0: Okay.
4: Wish you could have uh, raced against.
2: Like an old short tracker or something?
0: Oh, who's that? God. <laughs> I um you know, I don't think about things like that. Um and uh, let me explain. I don't – there's not a time in my career where I thought, man, I'd really love to race that guy. You know, I like Tim Richmond, people might think, man, you know, Tim Richmond, he was cool. What would it have been like to see him continue uh, his career had he not passed away? I I think about things like that, but I don't – I never went – you know, I never looked at a guy and went, man, I'd love to have raced him, Um, especially – a name that isn't a household name. Um, I just wanted to win. I didn't want to feel the race up with people that I wanted to race. Uh, I never really kind of approached it that way. I don't know how else to sort of articulate that, Mike. You you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? It,
2: the, the household name thing makes that almost impossible because let me give you an example. Like, you know, if you went down the road, like saying Scott Bloomquist, well, even Scott Bloomquist isn't, uh, I mean, House, he, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's, he's very popular, he's hugely popular. Right. But, um, but, but I wouldn't even want to I, I, – I never wanted to race him. No, no, understood. But I'm just using it as a hypothetical. But it's just to, to not be – I mean, like, most people would say something like, I don't know, A.J. Foyt or, you know, whoever. But that's so, – so to say not a household name would have to be somebody like, you know, cousin that nobody knows about or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Being on the racetrack with somebody is not a f- enjoyable experience.
2: that's that's
0: a good Um, point right yeah being on the racetrack with a with a competitor in a race is not uh, something you look forward to um you know it's 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 part of the it's a necessary part of it that you don't necessarily you know you don't it doesn't make it funner it doesn't make it it can make it less fun you know you can't have guys that you hate to race there's a lot of those um that's an easy question um (laughs) But there's no guy – you know, there, there were guys that you like to beat. That probably would be the other question is who, who would – that would probably be the way to ask that question is to say, who out there would you love to race against to beat? To beat – who would you want to beat? And that would be guys like, you know, my dad. I would want to, Every time I raced dad, I wanted to beat him. I wanted to finish ahead of him every single time. Beating Kelly Arbor, guys like that. But I never enjoyed racing against a guy. If that makes sense. Um, it's kind of like when you play video games with your buddies and you win some, you lose some, but do you really love the opponent or the game, right? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. So every time you would say, That was fun, hey Martin, that was fun, or whatever, right? You're talking about the the actual race, not the fact that it was Martin.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah. You know, wow, that actually was fun. I enjoyed you know, that. Crazy. We didn't, yeah, we didn't become enemies in that time. <laughs> we were racing each other. We actually enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So I never, yeah. There you go. I don't know. I, All guess, right. I guess I answered that. <laughs> so
4: there's another Mike Davis in this world, and he wants to know <laughs> why are your dad's 1984 85 Wrangler cars referred to as the Blue Goose? Can you explain that?
0: God, I don't even know. No. You don't know? That would have
2: been a good question for David Allen a few weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. blue goose. Somebody figure that out for us. All right. Somebody let us know.
0: I've heard that faintly somewhere, but I don't even know what that means.
4: Um, Alexander Brown wants to know, how were you able to acquire the Unical 76 globe from North Wilkesboro?
0: Well, um, I think I I saw a picture or a video somebody did with a drone of the racetrack, and I was watching it and saw that seventy-six ball. And for whatever reason, so most of my life, when I, so if you're going to play a video game, and I've played a lot of video games, and I uh, still play a lot of video games today, especially when you're like uh, in Call of Duty or Counter Strike or any of those first-person shooters, right? When you when you jump in the game, it says, "Hey, what's your name? What do you want people to see? as your tag?" Or if you start a gamer tag on Xbox, right? You're going to, you're going to name, you know, give yourself this cool name. Um, for decades I've used unicow 76. And I, the reason why I used unicow 76 is because I love the colors. Orange is my favorite color and paired with blue. It's just a cool combination. And it was prevalent in NASCAR and I uh, just thought it sounded cool. unicow 76 just sounds cool. So, I always used JuniCal seventy six whenever I would. I still use it today, like when I when I play video games or use a, need a gamer tag or something like that, anything. So when I saw that seventy six sign still standing at the end of pit road at North Wilkesboro after all these years, I mean two two decades later, it's still sitting there. I reached out to Marcus Smith and them and said, "Hey man, are you guys gonna do anything with that? I'd love to take it, and I, I'm, I'm with the intent to put it back up to make it functional to save it." keep it um and i've got a big 76 ball that was hanging outside the racetrack at talladega they actually would climb up in this uh the mrn guys would climb up inside it and call the race from that you know that corner wherever this ball was located they were four around the racetrack in in talladega at the time when sunoco came in they came and took them all down so uh they would lay them outside out back in the in the in the field behind the track and i drove by schrader got one i got one i don't know where the other two went
4: Colby is on YouTube, and he wants to know: Do you think there will be any more pro invitationals in the future? Maybe an off-season All-Star race?
0: I think that there will. Um, this was too successful, and uh, the the participation from the drivers increased, and they seemed to find enjoyment in it. At first, a lot of them were racing and weren't good. And when you're not good at something, and you're kind of asked to do it not not really out of preference, you don't really enjoy it. But as they got better, they became uh, it became something they really started to enjoy. Uh, they started to see light at the end of the tunnel. So, I've been in the conversations with some of the people at iRacing. They would love to have a winter heat style event, uh, some sort of a short series uh, when the race season's over, um, maybe in December, January, or something like that, to just a very short, abbreviated version of the pro invitational. And uh we'll see what that looks like. And I'm I certainly expect it to be uh a possibility.
4: Uh Brady Reaver wants to know do you think there will be multiple winners or one or two dominant cars um in these upcoming races?
0: You know, that's the thing uh that I, I fear I guess or I, I worry about the most is you know, and, and we—I've seen this my entire life as a fan or or a driver or being involved in motorsports. You'll show up to the racetrack, and somebody just hits on it, just hits on it. They're just out. They're just in a field, uh, in, a, in a in a in a league of their own, right? And I expect that to be a real possibility at several of these races when you show up and don't practice and don't qualify, and you just line them up. You're going to have some guys that miss it big time. Some drivers that are miserable in the car because it is driving terribly and so bad that there aren't anything they are able to do in the pits to fix it. So I would have my scanner going cuz it's going to be a hot topic, right? The scanner's going to be scanner chatter on the, the drivers is going to be colorful. So um that's one thing that I'm anticipating. But yeah, I expect to see a couple guys really either by hard work, engineering, dedication, or sheer luck really hit on a hot setup that separates them from the field um, at each of these tracks we go to. And it might not be the same car or team every time. It could be, you know, whereas usually in seasons we see organizations that thrive over a period of time, this could be a little more spotty. Um, uh, and a little more, there's, it's real opportunistic opportunity, uh, you know, really opportunistic opportunity for people, <laughs> if that's even a word. Um, it's, 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 it's prime for the, you know, picking man. It's, 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 it, you can get in there and, and steal the show if you do it right. This is so unprecedented. No practice, no qualifying. First lap will be the first lap of the race. We can't even begin to know what to expect or anticipate, but. It's not going to be anything that we've seen before, I'm sure.
4: All right, guys. That's it for today.
0: Opportunistic opportunities. Very opportune. Keep your eyes open. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in to uh, Ask Gina Portionist uh, podcast presented by Xfinity. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dale. Hey, have you watched anything good at home in the last few months? Uh, yeah, actually. I, I, you know, I got into this show
2: on Hulu called Hands Made Tale. It was really good. Handmaid's
0: Tale. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, if you, you know, if you guys want to watch Handmaid's Tale, is that right, yeah, Mike? That's it. Hand, Handmaid's Tale. If you guys want to watch that, here's your opportunity because Xfinity customers, uh, for Xfinity customers, it's Watchathon week now through May 17th. And it's the perfect time to finally watch all these hit shows and movies that we've been talking about for free. Billions on Showtime, it's there. Outlander on Stars. that's there too. And for the first time, Hulu. And Peacock, NBC's new streaming service, is there as well. Hey, Mike, we've got something uh, coming up on Peacock soon, don't we? You better believe the very people that bring you the Dale Jr.
2: download are also per, are currently in production of Lost Speedways. It'll be exclusively
0: on Peacock. Now's the perfect time to catch that show you've always wanted to try. Just say "Show Me Watchathon" into your Xfinity X1 voice remote, and let us know what you've been bidging. <laughs> And let us know what you've been binging. Been binging. Binging. Been binging. 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 Been binging. Been binging. (laughs) Been
1: binging. Been binging.
0: That's tough. Been binging.
1: All right. Odd history. Buckle up. Enjoy.
0: Odd history. All right. We've spoken about the big pre-race stunts before on the show. Humpy Wheeler, he was here. And we found out about cool stuff of Jimmy the Greek right Jimmy oh, yeah. the Flying Greek um, and how he had never actually jumped a bus before he was jumping buses that's right right <laughs> so Jimmy the you know, when Humpy hired Jimmy he just he's he like hey what do hey. you need me to do jump a bus no <laughs> <laughs> well we got a new one well an old one and an odd one uh Cuda Bucks Cuda Bucks Cuda Cuda Bucks Cuda, I think I, I've heard of this. Cuda, Cuda, Cuta Bucks. Okay, this was a sixty-three-year-old mystic firewalker and magician, and he was a special guest in the May nineteen sixty-eight race weekend at Darlington Raceway. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this guy. He was born in Kashmir, Kashmir. Pakistan and became world famous for doing many unusual and dangerous things while blindfolded. Mm. He would shoot cans off children's heads with a pellet gun. He would read (laughs) dates off of coins. That doesn't seem too hard. And uh, more. (laughs) Hold it. Not only did he shoot kids' heads off, but he also... <laughs> no, cans off, he wow. off their heads. He would read the date on a coin better <laughs> <Blindfolded>. than anybody.
4: <laughs> Blindfolded. Blindfolded. But,
0: <laughs> let's, let's get that straight. He didn't shoot kids' heads off. Kids, pets' heads are falling off. During a practice day in May 1968, Bucks was in the press room and impressed track PR director Jim Hunter by covering his face with two sections of newspaper and copying lines Hunter drew and playing tic-tac-toe. All blindfolded, right? Mm -hmm. Now the famous magician wanted to take his talents to outside and he wanted to go up on the high banks of Darlington. He wanted to drive around the Lady in Black blindfolded. He performed this stunt at Hickory Speedway. Back in the 50s. Because I have tweeted about this guy. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Many months ago. And he also did this at New Jersey Old Bridge Stadium. But this was Darlington. To prove beyond a doubt that he couldn't see anything, he had Leroy Yarbrough cover his eyes with dough, then cotton, and then he finally wrapped his head in layers of cloth, which Leroy said was just like doing up a mummy. I don't know how Leroy would <laughs> know. Just like <laughs> I used to do when I rolled up them mummies.
1: In my Egyptian days.
0: Bucks walked over to a convertible, and he got in it. Now, get this. Yarbrough actually hopped in with two to Bucks. Leroy said, he's not going to hurt himself, so I should be safe. Mm. That's crazy, Interest, Leroy.
2: Interesting mentality.
0: So there's Leroy in the backseat of a convertible with a blindfolded Pakistani magician, Magician behind the wheel. Old Kuda made it happen. He pulled off pit road and made a lap, and he didn't hit a thing. And at Darlington, that's saying something. That's so, good. in my um, so, I've got all these books or magazines from the fifties. I've got some old race programs from Hickory Speedway um, that they were sending out, and they were they had this guy come over every weekend. He was there almost every weekend in the mid fifties. Damn. and he would drive around the track blindfolded around parked cars they would park cars out on the track and he'd pull out there and drive around the track without hitting the cars weaving in and out of them that's so crazy he did some sort of weird thing you know different type of trick each week and so it's interesting i did not know that they sort of hung on to this dude and brought him on out to Darlington in 1968 i mean he'd been around Hickory doing it for a while in the 50s pretty cool hey with no practice with no practice for qualifying this coming
2: weekend I bet a bunch of them drivers are going to look like Cuda Bucks (laughs) they said he had a sixth sense
0: okay Hmm. last call All right, everybody last call great show Mike yeah man great show Leah a lot of fun good show Leah good show Matthew all right, anybody uh, want to get any merch? I gotta get some merch. So we've been shooting this Lost Lost Speedway stuff, and I've been seeing all the merch. All our guys are wearing. Oh, that's right. I don't. I'm <laughs> sick of this, Mike.
2: Listen, you got a whole stack of it in my office. We just happen to be self isolating, and uh, I,
0: I want hats and T-shirts. I got it. you. You do.
2: You do. I, I know. And well, I knew I gotta, this was coming. Look at Leah right know.
0: now. Wait, I was, uh, there's. Yeah, there's Leah's got
1: it on merch.
2: No, there isn't. Do I, I need, to, do I
0: need to go to DirtyMoMedia.com and, and use the use the code DJD10 to get my 10% off? Yes.
2: Well, if you do, you will get 10% off using that discount code. I think mean, that's what's important here.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'll do. I, they,
0: there's a white shirt that says Dirty Mo on it, and then there's this uh, white and blue uh, trucker cap that I really love. Go to DirtyMoMedia.com, DJD10 for 10% off. Subscribe to Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel. New content from the past few days includes the Bringing Back Wilkesboro short documentary. Mm -hmm. About 20 minutes of your time, and you will not be wasting it. It's a great (laughs) documentary. Twitch highlights from my race at Wilkesboro that we ran last Saturday. Very funny stuff. Did you like that? I thought y'all did a great job. It was great. That was good. I thought y'all did a great job with those highlights. Jason Schultz did good John Hunter. John Hunter. There's some boys out there spazzing. <laughs>
4: spazzing. That was
2: my favorite
0: line. <laughs> oh my god. It out. <laughs> it's <ugh>. it's, <laughs> <ugh>. <laughs> it's like when, it's like somebody walks around, you know, it's like something when somebody walks in the room with a dangerous object and they don't realize how they've put everybody else in the room at risk. That's a great analogy. It That's really what is. It's like racing some of those guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, you cannot control the car you're driving. All of last week's podcast highlights. Yes. All of last week's podcast highlights. Not just this show. Door Bumper Clear. That's right. All the highlights are on the Dirty Mo Media YouTube channel. This is the best YouTube channel on YouTube, clearly. So go... Subscribe.
2: On that note, when a lot of people say, man, I wish y'all would play the, or put the TV show uh, or, or put more in the TV show, we basically put everything that is from our podcast on this YouTube channel. And it is basically an extended TV show. So there you go. Just go to the YouTube channel.
0: Yeah. It's that simple. This is a reminder that the TV show that Mike's talking about airs at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. That's right. NBC Sports Network. Wednesdays, 4 p.m. Eastern. NBC Sports Network to watch the Dell Jr. download. We want to congratulate all of the graduates of the class of 2020. This has been an unusual year for everybody, you guys included, but we're proud of you. Congratulations. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. When everything sort of gets back to normal, do what you got to do to have fun and go enjoy yourself. Congratulations, class of 2020 graduates. Nobody wants to add anything. Any congratulations to the. Well,
1: yeah, I'll say congratulations to my nephew Blaze, one of my favorite people, a good person, and he's graduating, and he's sad that he didn't get to do his prom yeah. and didn't get to hey, do his final varsity. I baseball didn't go to prom year. either. I what? didn't
2: go to prom. You didn't I hated go to prom. Nah.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, you know, Dale yeah,
2: Jr. didn't uh, go to prom. I
1: mean, that, what? He, he ain't going to hang out at the prom. Nah.
2: I'm with you, man. Could you go have to prom, gone to prom? You prom? Could no. you have gone to prom? Like, what, did, did you turn down anybody for the prom? <laughs> That's what I want to know.
0: Were the girls asking the guys in your time? That's weird.
2: Okay, I, I don't even know where you're trying to go with that. I'm saying, could you have gone to the prom? Did you not want to go to the prom? You just or did asked
0: you... me if somebody asked me to go to the prom. I, I, I Well, the guy asked the girl. That was how it worked in my time. Was that the problem? You just didn't want to ask anybody? The girl that I liked was already had a
2: boyfriend. Screw her.
0: Story of my high school career. Hope, hope it was fun, girl. Hope, hope you had yeah. fun. Hey, see what you missed out on. Hey, I, I, I was probably hanging out with my race car. That's yeah. the story we're
1: going Streaming. with. Streaming doing some video games <laughs> <I'm> papyrus yeah <laughs> right. i
0: was racing That's i was hanging out with my street stock <laughs> like all the
2: winners do yeah. yeah you know messing with no prom stupid prom i love prom <laughs> prom was That's cool crazy so how is that crazy
4: i don't I, I, like literally everyone that could go to prom or homecoming went like it wasn't really yeah
1: just because you were popular in this be honest. big social no, 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 butterfly
4: no, 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 here.
0: No, no, no. no. no, no, no. no, no Let no, me no. just sit here.
4: <laughs> was not this popular. Is,
0: I wasn't popular at all in my school. Me in fact, I got, a, I got a ton of stuff, crap from people about being, you know, my dad, if he had a good day, if he had a bad race, I got a, cr- a lot of crap on Monday. If he run over somebody or was involved in any kind of altercation, he was pretty controversial. And then kids, other kids really fed off of that. They gave Kelly a hard time too, and she was in a lot of fights. But anyways, in my house, Dad and Teresa weren't like encouraging. Like, hey, Kelly, do you, you know, want to get you guys Let's go get your dress. Mark asked you to the prom. We got to get you a dress. No, no, that was going on in our house. They weren't asking us what the hell was going on at school. They weren't arranging the oh, photos. No. no, they weren't. Not, they didn't even know prom was coming or going. <laughs> they wanted to know what those damn grades were. And they they weren't good. You you damn your ass knew it, but <laughs> otherwise, the uh, socializing at school they didn't. They, our household wasn't like encouraging. Yeah, about that, you know. Whereas you, when I see on. Uh, you know, sitcom television shows and so forth, how the household's quite encouraging and everybody's kind of in on the, you know, the, the whole thing. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that, that was like that in my place. So there you have it. Yeah. There you have it. So not being. leader, Leah. Did you want to know. Popularity, it, uh, Leah. Uh, I went to a, I, I would go, I would go to a couple dances. Like yeah. I went to. The, oh, really? Yeah. So we, if we had a dance, I well, might. prom's a dance. It's not the no, it's, same. There's
1: two different things. Yes. They're too, yeah. So too, no, they're not the same. I guess I'm not an expert. I didn't go to either. When you go, I never to, went to a dance go, or prom.
0: Well, when you go to the dance, you don't have. to You're not actually going for the dancing. You're just going to hang out, sit on the bleachers, and bullshit with your friends, and get out of the house.
2: You're not dressing up. You're not doing anything. You're not dressing up or anything. Right. You wore basically oh.
0: what you wore the day of school. But the prom, obviously, was the whole big production.
2: Yeah. Do you know the and day my, after my prom, I was at uh, – the prom was on a Saturday night, and then I was at Talladega for a cup race on Sunday with my dad and my brother. Yes. yes. I want to say Sterling Marlin like you. in that Kodak car.
0: Would your, was your family like, hey, man, you know, is there – would you like to drive the, you know, the family car or this other – you know the, the, your, Yeah. Those type of things? Yeah, that wasn't
2: yeah, – No, problem. yeah. you You definitely lived a different life for sure sucked.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe sure. I would have went to prom. I say we have
4: a junior motorsports prom.
0: You know what I'd rather have? A class reunion.
2: Well, we've had those too. Uh, I, I don't, went to I don't want my to do class that. Don't, no. my
0: class don't my class
2: don't Reunion. So you know what, that's where, you know, b- back on this on. is a little lesson for all those people in high school. When you're voting for your class president and you're all those electives, this is going to – where they're going to make a difference is in 20 years when it's time to get the reunions together. Because our yes. class president, who happens to be one of my best friends, he is so good at getting the, getting the band back together. And so we had a five-year, a 10-year, five a, a 20. I mean, like, <laughs> at this point, we've had a bunch of reunions. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, dude. And they're great. I
0: love my high school, Mooresville. This is a Mooresville hat. Oh. I hate mine. But I, I don't mine. I wanna I wouldn't go, even wear mine. I want to go to a reunion.
2: Be really? Find that Come girl guys? That, find that girl you want I to. I actually take them
0: home. uh I stay in touch with a few of the few of yeah. folks I went to school with who were in my class and so forth. I've made a little more effort over the last year or two to do that. Uh through uh, social media and so forth. And they're like, Hey, Dale, Dale, what do you where you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll be like, Hey, hit hey man, what's going on? been twenty let's see, twenty years. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. And they'll be like Hey, weird, weird, weird hearing from you out of nowhere. You went to so many
2: different schools that, that would also be hard to kind of get last.
0: This is is it. I claim this one, the one I graduated from, that's, that's the one that matters. Yeah, I know. But you know, my
2: my point's still valid. I mean, like, you know, I would say that much, as much as you moved around on the early days would have made it a little bit difficult to establish big, long lasting friendships for life. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 10 4 okay all
0: right that was fun
2: (laughs) yeah good last call let's not
0: talk
1: about high school anymore we'll say bye-bye that
0: was fine that was a great conversation
1: i hate high school i I want you to say goodbye i want you to say goodbye goodbye (laughs) no i want you to sign us off bye (laughs) (laughs) can you be better than that stronger the show's over thicker leaner The show's over over, everybody bye
0: okay the the show's over is it over? There'll it, be another one next week. Perfect. The show's over. There's another one next week. Get on with your lives. Your Get boring, miserable lives.
2: We'll be yes. back to entertain you in a week.
0: Get, Get out of here. Goodbye. <laughs> Hit the road. Can't.
4: <laughs> We're still in quarantine.
2: oh yeah right
0: that's right just sit still until until I
2: call your name don't hit the road
0: stay right where you are (laughs) we'll be back Monday (laughs) bye check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram Dirty Mo